First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? Welcome back to Chronologically. This is the podcast where we go through some of cinema's greatest creators, full filmographies in chronological order. Yeah, I said that right. Good. Yeah, that makes My sense. name is Jeff. That guy over there, that's Eric. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? It's going well. Thank you very much. We are here with our final bonus of the season. We took a look at Devil from 2010, directed by John Eric Dowdle but most notably, story by M. Night Shyamalan. However, the screenplay was written by Brian Nelson. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, I don't know if you noticed as this film begins. Oh, I did. Little, yeah. The hands. Yeah, I'll be, I, have, I have lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. Okay, so it comes up, a little, a little card comes up, and it says, uh, The Night Chronicles, and then the numeral one, which implies yes. that there's going to be night chronicles beyond the numeral one which there never were which which, which very, really bums me out right it bums me out too i'd forgotten that that was in the film and when i saw it i was just like oh lost lost things lost greatness you know like how cool would it have been to actually have gotten the Night Chronicles? Like, I, I, I assumed in the moment, and then I looked up to see what it really was, but I assumed in the moment that this would have been a series of smaller films, maybe supported, produced, maybe story by M. Night, you know, and, and uh, similar to the way that the Halloween films were originally envisioned, right? There was supposed right. to be an anthology series of films, you know, different, different stories taking place on Halloween. And then of course, Michael Myers was so popular that the only weirdo we got was uh, Halloween three and the rest of them were all just Michael Myers stories. But like the idea of having this kind of offshoot film series, the night Chronicles really like kind of got my blood pumping. I was like, well, that, that seems like a thing I would want. Like, I would go see those, you know? Like, ooh, kind of like Cloverfield. Like the Cloverfield movies, you know? Like another one of those comes out. I'm in, man. Like, there's been good ones and bad ones, but they come out. I'm there. They got me. And uh, so I was, I was kind of excited slash disappointed that it never came to be. I completely agree. And I even think of it as like, what if it were just like an Alfred Hitchcock presents where it's this thing that Shyamalan puts his name on. He approves other people's stories even and says, Ooh, you know, I like that or just comes like an executive producer or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I totally am on board with the Shyamalan stories. Maybe not made by Shyamalan, but you know, him kind of saying, Hey, I got this script and, but I'm wondering if it was like, hey, I got this script for Devil and the studio's like, we like it, but uh, we don't want you attached right now. <laughs> or I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really wanted Night Chronicles 2, 3, 4, and 5. And maybe, maybe one day we'll get them, you know, like he'll have rebuilt his... Uh, cachet enough to be able to say hey night chronicles yeah well we kind of have gotten some of it in some form so 
the 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 night chronicles were originally envisioned as a trilogy of unconnected films the second film in the trilogy never got produced but the story is still floating out there it's about a jury like a a jury in a trial uh deliberating over uh the the trial you know they're trying to come to a verdict and there are supernatural elements to the trial like they like stop so a, a supernatural unexplained, unexplained phenomenon as part of the court case right and so they're trying yeah. to come to a decision on that so we never did see that um there's not much explanation online beyond just that little synopsis you know uh the third film was going to be a uh sequel to unbreakable so oh we got that already we got that <laughs> that went on to become reworked and and you know turned into split. So split. yeah. Uh, so the 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 Night Chronicles did kinda resolve, but we never got an official second entry in the Night Chronicles, which I still find to be disappointing. I I love I love stuff like that. Like I absolutely it's like you like the Alfred Hitchcock presents. Like I love stuff like that. I'm fully here for it. And and uh, the interesting thing about this movie was like. Those films didn't not get made because this was not a success. This was a financial success. It made back yeah. its budget the first weekend. This is only like an eight or nine million dollar film. It was a very inexpensive film to make. Um, and, you know, boom, made its budget back. And in a way, this film kind of feels a little bit like a blueprint for where his career ends up going. Right. Like, although he did not write and direct this, um, this this is like a throwback to what we consider to be his strong points and to where he ends up going, because he ends up making these 10 million dollar films that make back like 25 times that 100 times that, you know, um, in small encapsulated places, character studies you know, and and so, yeah, I, I just it's interesting that this sits there as this weird little blip in the midst of the ocean of tribulation that we're in right now regarding his career, uh, because this this film, while not like beloved critically, certainly wasn't as panned as some of the other contemporary films at this time. Yeah, this is so I had a conversation with Mark over on the movie Draft House off pod about. M. Night Shyamalan's career and I'm like man the guy he either knocks it out of the park or he strikes out he never has any singles or doubles right and um, but this I think is like a like a double you know this is pretty good um, it doesn't uh, you know meet up with the levels of uh, you know the great trilogy at the beginning of his career um, and it's certainly not terrible like the shit we've been watching so uh, this is to me like a double. It's a it's a it's a good one. Yeah, that's a great. Your baseball analogy is is yeah. It's not a strikeout for sure. Like, but but you know, it's not the great. It's I uh, what I call it to my wife because she asked if we had seen it before, and I was like, yeah, we kind of liked it. It's a trifle, but we liked it. You know, yeah. And that's really what it is. Like, it's 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 a a mid tier B movie that you know you catch it at the dollar theater and you're like oh that was pretty damn good actually <laughs> you rent it you know Worth my dollar yeah. i watched it twice this week um 
mostly because I was so excited to watch it the first time because I'd never seen it. Uh, so I watched it early in the week and then I was like, um, while I was working, I'm like, let me throw it on in the background just so I can have it fresh in my mind when we record. So, um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I pegged the demon and then had to second guess myself when the demon died, but then I got it right again. (laughs) But, uh, I, I think, uh, the, the story is kind of run of the mill. I mean, like you kind of get, it's almost like a whodunit. And, but I just, I like the twists and turns and I like the character, uh, uh, all the characters, honestly, I like the police chief and the security guys and everyone on the elevator all makes sense. And, um, I thought it was just a fun romp. Like I, I recently watched, uh, a movie called frailty, which we talked about off pod. And I, I, one of the ratings I kind of like to give a movie is man, that's a good VHS rental. Like you go in on Friday night and you're, you're just want to rent a movie and you pick it off the shelf. And after you're done, you're like, ah, that was a good one, but it doesn't ever, maybe you don't go buy the Blu-ray afterwards necessarily. I, I think frailty is like, an all-time <laughs> classic, dude. I, I mean, that movie is great. I need to rewatch it. It's been like 10 years, but uh, I, I feel like that might be a little bit of a cut above this, but I do understand what you mean with the concept of a good VHS rental. You know? Y- yeah. Uh, you know what I don't miss about uh, video stores? You ever go to the video store and just wander aimlessly for like an hour and be dissatisfied with everything and then kind of like leave with some crap you don't really want to watch i can't remember that ever happening um because a a lot of times if that happened i would go over to the wrestling section and just grab a pay-per-view and bring that home and watch it and be completely happy that was me with the horror section that's 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 where i ended up yeah yeah Uh, um yeah anyhow okay so yeah (laughs) uh so obviously your history with this is that you hadn't seen it you, you no saw the trailer. I was like that. And like a lot of people, I'm like, this kind of looks good because we've gotten nothing but shit out of this guy for the past three films. And this looks fun. Like same. It, now I, I kind of will say it's been a theme the last few weeks. It doesn't feel like a Shyamalan movie, you know, like I didn't think that the happening and, airbender were they didn't feel like Shyamalan movies and I don't think this one does either which it's not you know he didn't direct it but um that would be one element I would think is kind of missing is his his sort of cinematography that I'm so used to that his interesting camera angles and way of framing things that he just hasn't done in a while right now you know and I'm still kind of missing it yeah yeah I agree although this does have some uh, interesting cinematography. Our our, our guy uh, Tak Fujimoto. I don't know if you clocked his his name popping yep. up in the uh, in the credits. There is the director of photography. Um, I I particularly and and this has nothing to do with his photography. It's just a, a a choice. But I love the upside down swoop through Philadelphia at the beginning. Um, I I just think it's and amazing. Then, at the end, it's right side it's up. It's right side up. Yeah, which I I was like, it didn't. It's kind of funny that happens way at the beginning of the movie that it's upside down, 
but it's so stunning and memorable that when it comes back and you see the city right side up, it's almost like your brain has been set differently with the movie starting upside down. And your brain is like, man, something's wrong here. And even though we know what it is, it doesn't ever feel right again until you see the skyline again correctly. And then you're like, oh, that feels better. I, I just really, really loved it. Yeah, it, uh, I it thought does, it was a it great does effect. A great thing to like set the mood of the film. And and I did see this at the theater. And one thing about, you know, like I I always enjoy like helicopter shots coming into cities or, you know, now they do it with drones or whatever. Like I, I really, really like uh, especially when they get creative with it. But what you don't realize or what you don't remember when you're watching it on a television is just how overwhelming those shots are when you're in a theater. Like if you see this on a mm-hmm. big banging screen and uh, that that skyline is coming off the top of the screen and you're kind of like moving forward through it, it's a really cool, overwhelming sensation. Like... <sighs> Another one that that really strikes me that works fantastic in the theater that isn't as uh, effective on TV is the beginning of Event Horizon. You got Sam. Oh God, that movie. Sam Neill like the scary ass movie. It's great. Watch it. It's great. But you got Sam Neill looking out the window of his space station, and like it starts out like really far away, and it's kind of the camera spins towards him and spins towards him until it finally like zooms in on him looking out the window, and. in the theater, it was just like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> this is nauseating. Really, <laughs> really cool effect. Almost like to the point where I had to like look away from it. On I TV, would close my eyes. Yeah, on TV, yeah. it's just kind of like, oh, I'm zooming in on the space station, you know, but the effect of it being so big, right? And that's how this was. It was so big when you were flying in upside down. It was very unsettling, you know, which is what it's meant to be. Um, and I, for some reason, I feel like I've seen this upside down skyline in other films before, but I've I seen it on movie posters, not that specific one, but there's a, a movie called a, as beloved is below something oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It, the French, the French poster is upside movie. down. Yeah. That's a good one. The, the, uh, I don't watch demon movies, bro. I know. I, I know. Just... That's a good one though. <laughs> this is as close as I get. Uh, I'll do demon movies. Yeah. For some reason I am reminded of the devil's advocate, but I don't know if that is actually truly in there i'll need to rewatch i've been meaning to rewatch that movie anyhow that's a that's yeah. a demon movie you could get away with because i've seen it yeah okay <laughs> it's not, I, it's not i'm like kind that. of interested I, I was talking to my friend about it because he's like the new exorcist trailer came out he's like fuck no and i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm kind of with you like he's like i'm not gonna watch that or the nun i'm like well hold on because there's like the silly stuff like there's things I can kind of deal with, but the closer it gets to trying to be as realistic as possible, the less interested I become. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like we just nah. did. Uh, we did the Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe this week on Netflix. It's just a goofball of a movie. Like it's it's, it's yeah. a possession movie, but it's goofy silliness. I, I mean, like Evil Dead is kind of just not the news shit, but like the Bruce Campbell stuff. It's kind of silly and fun, and I can. That's fine. Yeah, but, boy, that uh, new one. You know. Oh my god, that thing puts you through the ringer. The kids are safe. Yeah, I'm no, good. those kids ain't safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Well, talking about this elevator movie, um, we have a cast of relative unknowns. I, I think the most recognizable face to me is Jeffrey Arend, who I ca- could only place from Five Hundred Days of Summer. 
Um, he's like one of the best friends in that movie. Oh, oh, snozberries smell like snozberries. Yeah, he's in uh, Super yeah. Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what you know him from. Uh, yeah, he, he is a very recognizable face. Um, two others. So the guard. In, oh, I know him. You know him. Yeah. And the, the big hit. The th- you ever seen the big hit uh-uh. with Mark Wahlberg? No. Oh my gosh. It's an action comedy and he's in it. He plays a character named Crunch who um, gives up sex when he f- uh, finally realizes he can masturbate. So they're like, Lou Diamond Phillips is in it. And he's like, you're telling me you never masturbated before? He's like, I never had to, you know, because I could just always get laid. But he's like, I saved so much money masturbating. <laughs> it's really good. And yeah. You got to watch it. He plays Crunch and it's, All right. I often, he says at one point he's like, cause Mark Wahlberg is like whipped and always paying for his girlfriend's stuff. And Crunch is like, you need to switch to straight jacking. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. So, okay. So Crunch and the guy, uh, the, the, the guy with the tools. The hit and run guy uh, logan marshall green which i i say a lot of people i recognize these people that you're bringing up yeah so he, he i know him primarily from uh the oc but those two together were in spider-man homecoming they in the same scenes they are the two guys that work for michael keaton that are testing out the shocker. Oh yeah, he's like the first shocker. Yeah, guy. the shocker yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. And one of them dies, and the other one like, like, takes over or whatever. Uh, so yeah, Logan Marshall Green to point you to another film that maybe you haven't seen is in a movie called Upgrade, Mm-mm. which is basically it came out around the same time as the Venom movie with Tom Hardy. It is a better Venom movie. Oh really? It's basically Venom. But better in that, I mean, he doesn't have a symbiote, but the he's kind of got these dual characters going on and superpower. It's awesome. Is it the same guy? Same guy. Logan Marshall Green playing uh, plays the main character in Upgrade. Oh, no kidding. I'll look that up. That sounds good. This is kind of it's really kinda actiony. Good. Oh yeah, and great action, like really well shot. It's awesome. Did this come so, out of the theaters or was it, is it like a... Uh... Uh, it feels because he's the lead, you know? It, it feels like maybe it was a... Uh, I, I mean, Streaming. I think it probably came out in the theaters, but it was like a, a lower budget thing, but it, it's really good. Okay. I'm gonna... But anyway, I keep sidetracking because, you know... That's okay. We got to talk about these dudes. Uh, so the ladies, I did not recognize from anything at all. Like, I neither one of them... Um, I also uh, wasn't terribly familiar with the cop guy, the main cop guy, um, the the two security guards, white guy who gets fried in the basement. I kind of recognized him from stuff, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't like oh he's from blah da 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 da. It was just more like ah he's usually like a cop in the background or something, you know. Well, it, his name is Matt Craven. Is he related? West to West to West Craven. Craven? <laughs> I'll click his name and see if it says. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But the cast, I mean, like the cast is largely unknown. Like they they did not blow a lot of budget uh, on this cast, and I think that for getting you know actors who are not you know marquee names, they got a. 
pretty good group of people here doing this film. Like the performances are solid. Nobody in this movie is what you would consider to be bad. Like there's not a weak link pulling you out of the movie by sucking, you know? Um, yeah. they're all, they're all right on point. Um, it made me, I really like the cop, the main cop. Like when you introduce to him, you're having that conversation with his, uh, AA sponsor. And, but when he gets to work and he's like, okay, there's a rosary. And then like, he looks down and he goes, there's no glass here. And then he sets off into work mode. And he's kind of got his partner. He's kind of bossing around. He's like, yeah, let's what, you know, I love his sort of deduction and the way he kind of controls whatever scene or thing he's in. It feels authentic and kind of like I'd watch a detective movie with this, you know, this guy kind of looking around and being super serious and breaking things down. Yeah. Do you think that there are detectives who are that good? At that sort of stuff like wait, wait, i mean like what we're seeing out of this guy it's not exactly sherlock holmes level of deduction it's just like kind of logical thinking and, and making you know leaps of do you, do you think that there are detectives that are yeah so doing i that these days um, i watch a lot of true crime and i was watching one where um oh, it was a really interesting one this uh guy had mysteriously died in his hotel room and you know it looked like it, it could have been foul play, but they weren't sure. But they determined that because of the autopsy that he died from blunt force trauma. And I was like, interesting. So they go through and they interview the people who have access to the room. They interview the people in the room next to him and all this stuff. But they can't find anyone with a motive. Like no one has a motive to go in here and beat the shit out of this guy. Um, so it goes cold. So they bring in. Uh, the the wife brings in a hires a detective her own private eye and he goes in right away you know he goes let me look at the autopsy and he reads it and there's like there's this hole here in his heart how did how's that a blunt force trauma this looks like a bullet wound so you know they go into the hotel room and they see a hole in the wall and they're like that looks like a bullet hole and they go into the next room and shine a light and it goes down to the bed and the bullet because the guy had uh, a scar on his scrotum they shine the light and it goes right where you know his crotch would be while sleeping and they find out that the the neighbors next door were goofing around with a gun and it went off and it went into the next room and it just so happened hit this guy right in the scrotum travel all the way up to his heart and kill him and it was like, and it had nothing to do with whoa. the blunt force, like the whole blunt force thing was just kind of a misdiagnosis. Oh wow, man! And it was just like the guy came in, and he just was like, "Let's look at this again." So I, I think there are people who just season it. Like this was like a retired detective who then became a private eye because he probably makes more money. But it, it was just really interesting and such a a weird specific case, right? Cause the guy is going at it from a murder point of view, but here comes the other guy and he's just looking at the facts. Right. And I, I, I so yes. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. It, it is cool that there are people out there doing that. I, I was just thinking my house got robbed, uh, oh, 10, 12 years ago. Right. And, uh, they tore the shit out of our house and stole all of our good stuff. And it made me really mad. Um, but the, the cops came and, uh, for for a thing like that, 
They don't give. They it. don't give. They a don't shit. give a nope. shit. Like same thing happened to me when I was at like twelve or so. I can't remember thirteen or fourteen, maybe. We called, and then it took like an hour and a half. And when they get there, at least in Florida, you get police service technicians, which is like, I don't know. <laughs> and they come, and they take their nodes, and they drive off, and you never see them again. Never hear from so, them. There's no follow-up. The, the guy was yeah. kind of like, eh, you might want to just like go around to some thrift stores and look for your stuff and let us know if you find any of it. It's going to be on your mind more than it's on our mind. Let's, you yeah. literally said that. I was like, you fucking suck, dude. Like, <laughs> so unless you catch somebody in your house stealing your shit, like, people are just, like, able to just run around and break into houses and steal shit. Like, like nobody's after them. There's no, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, anyhow, uh, that, that made me really kind of reassess my my view of police from, like, the TV cop detective. to It's kind of like when you go to the hospital and they're like, eh, eh we're not, we can't tell what's wrong with you, but you're not going to die. Go on home. You know? <laughs> like, there's, there's no doctor house here trying to figure out what's wrong with you for real. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not this. It's not this. It's not this. We're pretty sure you're going to be okay. Get out of here. Uh, anyhow. So... Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think the cop in this is good. And I think, I think that the performance is really solid. It's not super showy. It's just, he's giving you just, just what you need. Um, same thing with, uh, Rodriguez, our, our narrator for the film, you know, he plays a quietly religious security guard who, like for what he's saying and what he's like trying to communicate to everybody, he is super not over the top, right? Like yeah. he could really be spazzing out. Like this dude could have been chewing the scenery in a big, big way. And he's not like, he's just kind of like, I just think you guys need to be aware about this devil's meeting thing. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, is, this is how this works. And you know, the suicide and then, you know, he this comes. is the part that felt like Shyamalan to me. It felt it reminded me in a good way of Lady of the Water, where you have this guy's kind of explaining, much like the Asian family in Lady in the Water, of like, and so what happens next in your story? How does this end? And he's like, Well, someone's gonna die in front of someone they love, you know, and then you see the the woman come in and all that. So that part felt like Shyamalan. That's the part where I was like, that's his fingerprints right there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I looked up uh, the Devil's Meeting because I was I was interested to see like is this a a real folktale you know like like this this process of the suicide and then the devil takes human form and he stomps around like harming punishing the sinners and so on uh, no it is not a real folktale it is uh, some bullshitty bullshit from Hollywood um didn't exist before this so it, it's yeah but that's the point they're making up new stories i'm fine with yeah it. no yeah it's a fun story i would just was like excited to see if it was something real and it's funny because after this movie like there are a few references to it on other websites as something that is an old folk tale but it is clearly taken directly from the movie it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like quoted from the movie you know on like some supernatural wiki sites you know <laughs> and uh and then somebody sees a face in an electronic monitor you know <laughs> like, that. Like, oh. like oh is that how it worked back in the 1700s <laughs> i see uh but no it, this was actually uh 
based more on an Agatha Christie novel, and then there were none. Um, you want to learn some uh, interesting and horrendous facts about Agatha Christie, go ahead and look that bad boy up on Wikipedia. Um, I won't get into it here, but the it, you'll you'll quickly see what I'm talking about. But the the actual uh, the actual story of and then there were none where the, the ten people show up on an island and uh, they start dying off one by one, and uh, nobody nobody's quite sure who's doing the killings. You know, like like people are dying kind of off to the side and their bodies are Whoa. discovered and uh and so on and so forth. So, <laughs> I looked it up. I just saw the original title. <laughs> <Woo>. There you go. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> yeah, that's a And then they changed it and it wasn't any better. <laughs> they changed it and it wasn't any better. Exactly. And then the, 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 yeah. Apparently uh in the 1930s, uh, the word was considered less inflammatory in England than it was in the United States at that time. The United States immediately was like, no, <laughs> like it never got published here under that title. Uh, but yeah, and, and now it's been obviously. Let's just say uh, Eric and I as uh, white guys cannot tell you what the title of this book is. But again, you can go to Wikipedia <laughs> and see it for yourself. Yeah. Good, good, good one there, Agatha. You, you have really uh, made us reconsider you as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so the story is similar, similar to yeah. this, and and it has un, there is no demon in, and then there were none though. It is instead just a very convoluted Agatha Christie style plot. Um, that somebody has initiated. But, and then there were none is such a good title. It is a great title. Like, it's like, oh, everyone's going to die. So, yeah. Yeah. Through trial and error, she finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I wanted to talk about, like, the people, the people in the elevator and whether or not they deserved to be there. Like, okay, so I obviously am not the devil. I'm not making calls on who deserves to be punished and who doesn't deserve to be punished. I'm not killing people in an elevator, right? But you have to wonder, like, if you have your choice of, like, everybody in the world to get onto the elevator to do murders, like, are these the people that really deserve to be there? Okay, so you got you got Ponzi scheme guy, right? He's probably, I would say, maybe the most deserving to be there. Uh, the guy who did a fatal hit and the run. The hit and run guy. Okay, okay. So, an accidental killer, right? Who did not stick around? Yeah. Who did not stick around and take right. responsibility for his actions? Like that's now, that's his big sin. Another, and, and he was drinking. You know, yada yada yada. Now I got another problem. You know who else? Deserves to be in that elevator. The mom in that car. Why was their kid not buckled in? Oh, that kid went soaring through the window. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they weren't buckled in. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times in those instances, the kid survives that sort of thing because their bodies are smaller and lighter. And But, hey, that's, you know, yeah. I think she deserves some criticism as well. Right. But, okay, so let's talk about the other ones. Gold digger lady? you like, she's she's like... Meeting men and divorcing them and taking their money. Um, 
and and she lies about the guy touching her. Maybe like, or maybe she's getting touched by the supernatural well, thing. The right? first touch, right? The first one, she's like, "Did you just grab my ass?" They clearly show on camera that did not happen. Yes, but I thought I, I kind of always wondered if it was maybe like a supernatural ass grab. <laughs> I don't know. Regardless, like it could have been. <laughs> regardless, okay. So she's a gold digger. Then you got like thieving wallet snatcher lady, right? And you got fairly nice guard with a history of fighting and violence, right? Assault. He does assaults, right? Like, all right. Are these people the monsters that deserve to be? killed by satan in an elevator <laughs> like, like <laughs> it's not like it's mussolini up in there right like, <laughs> like mussolini and stalin in an elevator right. yeah it's like you know these are like petty theft you know uh, assault that wasn't bad so bad that the guy couldn't get a job as a security guard right a woman who's taking advantage of the legal system for money you know like eh. Like they, from billionaires, yeah, not not good people, not good people, <laughs> really, but not like hideous, hideous monsters. And you know, there's, there's, I don't know. I, I, I have an opinion. Please, so, please give your opinion. From a traditional American Christian perspective, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everyone deserves punishment but the whole thing about christianity is jesus died for your sins so you don't need it anymore you've been forgiven so i think this movie at least from my american perspective is a different way of thinking it's not that right because the devil biblically speaking isn't one who hands out judgment um, and that's what this devil does. Right. And he can only go after people who don't recognize the evil in themselves, which is what our, you know, our narrator kind of says at some point, you know, they need to admit to themselves that they are broken, um, which I think Split does a better job of. But uh, so... No, I don't think so. They aren't your typical Hollywood. But I also think you don't want characters so bad that the you lose the audience. Right. And you have to you have to start with the supposition that there's nothing wrong with them and then slowly reveal that they are flawed in their own ways. I don't know. It it did make me I don't know. They they let Ponzi guy pretty much take the fall right away. He's like, did you grab my ass? And we don't know at the time, but he kind of seems sleazy. And then he tries to sell the mattress to the old lady, which I loved. I loved his mattress selling shtick. He's like, you didn't flip it every six months like they said. So you got used to <laughs> did it. Did you immediately and start just, thinking about your own mattress? Because I did. Oh, for sure. <laughs> We've been in the market for one for a while. Like, damn, this guy is good. <laughs> like, and then he talks about like who comes from money, and I could like. There's the scene at the beginning where he it looks like he's checking out the pretty woman, but then he kind of says, "I can tell by people's clothes how well off they are," and you're kind of like, "Oh, maybe because he doesn't really do anything pervy." No, like in the movie, it's just that moment you think that he is. 
And I mean, you can it leaves it up for your interpretation, but afterwards, I think he's kind of deducing like who's got the money here. Yeah. Um, you know, what you were saying before about uh the characters needing to acknowledge the evil within themselves made me think about the nature of uh the idea of redemption through confession. It's interesting. It's funny because on this podcast, we're like, I'm going to cuss and swear and yell. Now let's talk about God. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, redemption through confession, right? Like our hit and run guy. Um, he's, he's going to get it real bad. Like, Satan, the devil, reveals himself to this guy and is like, it's more or less all about you. You're the one I'm here for. Like, I... Well, he, the devil's already killed everyone else is the other thing. Right. So, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think there was any... Intent just to come get him. Uh, yeah, although he does have the worst he, of them. He's like, like the big like, fish, he is right? The, like, he's the catch. Yeah. Uh, but I think maybe there's a reason he's left for last. Yes. Like he's toying with his food. Right, right, right. And then the guy confesses what he did, right? Like he, he, he grabs the radio from the poor dead elevator worker guy (laughs) who did nothing wrong. (laughs) Super did not deserve (laughs) that. And, uh, we need David Dunn here to touch him so we can see what he was doing in college. Right. And then maybe we're like, okay, yeah, he does deserve this. Uh, but then he confesses. He says, you know, I did this hit and run, and two people died, and it was me, and I'm so sorry, da-da-da. And then the devil's like, oh, dude, now I don't get to have you, da-da-da-da-da. And it's interesting the way that it plays out because he doesn't, he's not confessing necessarily to God. Yeah. He's not asking for forgiveness in any way, shape, or form. You know, he's just simply acknowledging the thing that he did, right? And right. so I started thinking about the the Christian tenets of confession and the differences in the way it's performed. Like with Catholicism, you go into the booth and you tell the dude specifically what you did, right? And it's almost like you're talking to God and you're saying, and like, and then, you know, I kicked the cat. I went and, to www.blahblahblah.com. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Whereas, like, I was I was raised Lutheran, and they do just, like, blanket confession. Everybody all at once is like, we confess the sins that we committed this week. And then the pastor stands in the front and is like, y'all are good. <laughs> Go in peace, serve <laughs> the Lord. You know? Y'all are good. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so you don't get into any specifics there, which... It's interesting because it's it's nice to have the feeling of forgiveness for your wrongdoings, but I don't know if it's as effective at delivering that feeling of forgiveness if you don't, because you can just like forget stuff, right? Like it's not as though you're thinking about all the bad stuff that you did while you're just rotely going through the same thing week after week in front of the pastor getting your forgiveness, right? And and so like you don't necessarily confront the specific wrongdoings that you did. And I don't know, it, it just made me think about like why that's part of the process in religions. And I looked it up and it's like part of the process in like a lot of religions. It's not just Christianity and Catholicism and so on. Um, 
and what what human need there is to confess what you've done wrong in front of others you know like why is that part of the unburdening of you know of the process you know like uh, i don't know i don't know it just made me it just I, kind of I, made me think I'll about take it, it a know? step further and it and it even is true in secular circles because if you go to a therapist um and there's something weighing on you that you feel guilty for that's part of the process yes so from a secular mind i'm like it's just something about human nature and then from my you know faith-based mind it's something that's built in us by god that he wants us to have community with others and people we trust enough to say hey i did this thing wrong and now what i like about this movie too is he confesses right there's always this thing that I'll see again. I watch a lot of true crime and, the, and granted no one's ever wronged me enough to be on a true crime show, but there are people who do say, I do forgive them. And people are like, why, why are you doing that? And then there are other people who's like, I'll never forgive them. Um, what I, and I think that there's a line that people maybe miss, but uh, forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't mean you get away with it. Right. And that's what this movie I think shows. He confesses, but then his ass is going to jail. Right. Um, for his hit and run. He's being arrested. Um, and even the cop who was wronged forgives him. And yet you're still going to jail. Like, and I, I think that's something that I really appreciated <laughs> because I, I think there's a line. Sometimes people think if you forgive someone, they get away with a scot free. No, if I loan you my car and you wrap it around a tree, I forgive you. I'm not loaning you my car again, right? But I'm not going to hold it against you anymore. And uh, I appreciated the way this depicted that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think with forgiveness in general, there's there's like there's shades of forgiveness as well. There's like it comes and goes, right? Like I I I have a few people in my life who have wronged me quite severely, and you know, nineteen out of twenty days, I'm like, we're good. We're everything's good. It's fine. It was a long time ago. I'm over it. Don't really think about it too much. But on day 20, I'm just like, man, those motherfuckers, you know. (laughs) Well, my question then would be, did they confess to you? Oh, no. And apologize. Okay. Jesus, no. So do you wonder if if, if they did that, if they came to you and said, hey, Eric, I'm sorry. When we were younger, I beat the shit out of you. Um, I was young and stupid. I'm sorry. Do you think that day 20 would then fall in to be the like the rest of the days? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That 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 could very much. Yeah, that that could be a thing. Like, but I'm just thinking of the idea of like, you know, like I forgive you most of the time. (laughs) Every now and then, I get riled up. You know, like so. In my mind, that's not forgiveness right exactly <laughs> it's still it's, there it's right complete. like yeah you're like you more it feels like you say i'm just not going to be mad at you today right i'm trying to trying to get but it's interesting because there are there's this idea that like you find your own inner peace through forgiveness like it's said over and over and they say it in this movie like you gotta yeah. you gotta forgive in order to move on and the guy's like this guy killed my family i ain't forgiving shit right uh and and like it's like you cannot find peace unless you can find forgiveness in your heart which i feel is kind of like a a very christian viewpoint 
I, I don't know if there's like some psychological basis behind that. In words, but not always in practice. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, this is, but it's interesting that this this weird, you know, $8 million devil in the elevator movie gave me all these thoughts, whereas the like $160 million last airbender, all I could do was just scream about it for 40 minutes and call it a day. Like, there's so much more at work <laughs> in this movie, you know, like it, there's... There's interesting things in this movie. I also was thinking about the concept of a twist and not the twist in the film, which we can get to. Uh, but in the elevator, our hit and run guy is, is pointing out gold digger and he calls her a twist. She's a twist. She is. I think that's the word he uses, right? Does he? She comes in and she messes up. I the, think it was a name they had for people in the military maybe right was like the term yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah 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 and i think it was i think the word that he uses is twist you may be right i just not picking it up uh but he says like she's she's the one who comes in and ruins the group dynamic she comes in she starts stirring up shit everything is fine you know he talks about when they're in the military because he was in afghanistan everything's fine everything's cool a new person comes in next thing you know everybody's at each other's throats you know because there's this person that's like provoking and telling everybody what everybody else said and starting rumors and you know playing the gossip game and so on and so forth and and that's what he's saying that she is like she's the one that's in there like turning them against each other and kind of playing psychological manipulations and you know kill them guard kill kill him before he gets us all yeah. you know <laughs> that was a rough moment for me i'm like whoa that is zero to 60 right, right there right kill him kill him and you know at that point you don't know who the devil is i'm like well this is damn sure an indicator <laughs> so i was wondering if you'd ever experienced that concept before have you ever had somebody oh. that comes in and just fucks up the dynamic to the point where like you're like get this get this fool out of here like they're just ruining so, it you know I, I worked with someone who was an excellent worker, performed better probably than everyone else in the department, but they were so negative and you often felt like on eggshells around them and they would bad talk other people, mostly in other departments, not people in the building. And when they left, the mood improved, like people just felt happier, <laughs> like I was relieved and people just felt happier. So this is a very true thing. The, this type of person uh, does exist. And I think uh, while I don't feel that she was that person, um, you know, uh, actually more probably mattress guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, definitely have experienced it firsthand. Yeah, me too. We, we, I've had situations where like very happy workplace great team everybody's working in conjunction somebody comes in and like the whole dynamic is just suddenly off to the point where when that person calls out sick everybody's like yay <laughs> because we can have a normal day um yeah it, it had me thinking about the the idea of the uh that corporations use of the um the cultural fit right we got to find the right cultural fit and uh i, I brought that up to my wife this morning and she was like yeah they don't really use that term too much anymore smaller companies do but big big corporations now use the term values fit because cultural fit kind of implies a lot of 
Because culture can often be race. Culture can be race. (laughs) Culture can be, you know, economic. Culture can be religion, you know, so on and so forth. So they say values fit now. But in the end, it's still just a way to weed out people that essentially the hiring team doesn't like, right? Like, we don't think you're going to get along with everybody you're a twist. You get. We're not. We're not gonna hire you. Yeah, because you're not a good. And I think that's valid and smart to do. To to you know, as long as you're not basing on anything, uh, you know, gender or race or sexual orientation wise. Other than that, like if they're just someone with a bad attitude. Well, yeah. I mean, there have been places where I was not a good cultural fit. I worked for Cracker Barrel for two years. I was not a good cultural fit at Cracker Barrel, man. Like at all. Um, you know, like high power, like sales. We've talked about being in sales. I am. Um, oh, that was what I was going. I don't fit in sales. Yeah, I'm not a good, but only to my own detriment, not to anyone else's. Yes, like nobody detrimented from me being there, <laughs> except for myself, right? And the company, because you know, I, I was true. dead weight. Yeah, and I wasn't not, selling you know, shit. Not able to do my quotas and improve over last year and all that shit that they care so much about that I just could not give a fuck about, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought about the, the twist a little bit. So let's, let's talk about the actual twist in the film because there are, there are actually two. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you can think back to when you first saw the film and you had to be sitting there thinking, which one of these people is the devil? Yes. Did you get it? No. I, I did not get it, um, and it's been a long time since I saw this movie, and I was a good, like, at least a third of the way through it this time before I kind of remembered who it was, and even then, I didn't remember the circumstances around it, you know, that, that she died and then she was still there. Right. And then- That's where I was like, because there was a scene, I think, where they even say on the intercom, one of them is the is a killer or whatever- and the camera pans across their faces and my pointed at the screen and followed her face with mine. I said, that's the one right there. And then she dies in the next scene. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I, I certainly didn't, didn't <laughs> like remember that. the hit and run bit. I totally forgot about it. Absolutely spaced on it until it happened in the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, I think it was really effective because they didn't play on it like they balanced it kind of perfectly. You know, you kind of know at the beginning of the movie, this guy's going through some stuff, the cop, you know, he's in AA. And then he, he tells that story. Hey, this is the note someone left on my hit and run. And it almost feels like it's just him, just a little piece of character development, right? Like, Hey, I don't believe in the devil. The people are evil enough as it is. Here's proof. And then it kind of moves on. And I felt like they balanced that, really really well so when the time comes for the confession you're like oh shit and then it clicks like you never guess but all the breadcrumbs are there which is you know what Shyamalan does best a lot of times yeah yeah I I mean like the breadcrumbs are there that something happened there's no indication at all though that it was this guy right that's true like I, I think Although they never get into his, like, they find something wrong with everyone else. Uh, that she stole, that one's a money digger, this guy sells mattresses. And then um, they never have, like, they can never find out about this right. guy. Right, the tools are kind of a red herring, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he could have used the tools to 
mess with who, to who's rig the carrying elevator, these yeah. weird little tools around in a little satchel like that like <laughs> you got a he toolbox. says he's a mechanic exactly why wouldn't you leave them at your at your place of work or in your car or written, written <laughs> by mean, people who in... don't know mechanics i think <laughs> right probably. hollywood does not understand mechanics carrying around a little piece of pliers and like a little knapsack yeah uh but yeah, like, like that's all you really find about out about him. And I, I feel like for most of the movie, I don't know if it's the intention, um, but he's the one that I related to the most, right? I liked him and I liked the guard uh, to an extent, yeah. you know? Um, I, I thought the old lady was just aggressive and awful. Um, right. And there's a lot of times where you feel like she's racist. Yes. Right? Because she pulls out the pepper spray and... He he flips out. He's, you gotta be kidding me! <laughs> you know, uh, I agree. I, I like the guard and, and this guy. I also like when the 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 lone survivor guy has his dark moments, like his face, his countenance when he's got his hands on the wall. He's like, "Put your hands back up on the wall," you know. And you're just like, "There's that darkness there where." You know, he says he's been in Afghanistan, but I'm not so sure now, right? Because he says he's seen someone die, but then you find out that, you know, maybe who he's seen die is this woman right. in the car, oh, you I know? Didn't, so I, didn't I don't make know. That if, connection with that line. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't know if he was in Afghanistan, but uh, I just like his dark moments. And when they both have the, the piece of glass and they're going, like his face, he just looks unhinged. Yes. And like he just kind of is ready to do what he has to do. It's really good. Yeah, in the OC, he is uh, bad big brother to one of the main characters, who's always like getting the guy in trouble. Like, let's go steal cars and shit, you know. And and so that's like I come into the movie with that little bit of baggage on him, anyhow. Like, ooh, he's a baddie, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all around it, you know. Like, I think. And, and that's kind of all the stuff that I had like kind of selected out to talk about. But overall, I, I think this was a, it's pretty fun. You know, it's on prime, yeah. it's on prime video. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be there. If it'll still be on there when this comes out, but uh, I would say it's worth a look. And obviously we just spoiled the shit out of it, but well, yeah, don't watch it now, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I mean, basically if you were going to watch it, you probably already have, um, but yeah, I agree. It's just a just a fun. We got some good conversation out of it, and it's uh, it does what a movie's supposed to do. It entertained me for its runtime. Yeah, short short little runtime too. I was like, oh, this isn't going to yeah. keep me up late. Eighty minutes, boom, done. You know, easy to watch. Very nice. So, so what's up next? Well, well, my friend, um, I've got to get on the phone and locate our dinosaur boy. Even though we don't know if there's any dinosaurs in this movie, but it's time for us to watch After Earth with Will Smith and Jaden Smith. Never seen it. I know nothing other than I've seen a trailer for it, but I don't know anything about it. I have also but never would, seen it. I'm hoping that there's at least enough like sci-fi gadgetry to like keep me entertained. You know, like there better be a dinosaur, otherwise some, some jetpacks, <laughs> something. Uh, I uh. I was talking again to Mark about it, and I asked him if he saw it. He goes, oh, yeah, it's awful. I'm like, shit. <laughs> but he and I often don't see eye to eye on movies, oh, so we'll see. I feel like it can't be it can't be as bad as The the Last Airbender, which, like, I mean, honestly, like in retrospect, just one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, it, it's like. I got a worse one for you, but. Top, you know. top 10 bad films. Um, 
So I feel like just the strength of Will and Jaden Smith is going to put it over the top. Because at least there, there's some natural charisma there for us to hold on to. You know, like there's going to be something going on I mean, on Will there. Smith's one of the greatest movie stars of all time. Right. When it comes to like, if he's on screen at the very least... He's doing a great job. Yes. So, so yeah. <laughs> we'll, so we'll, 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 we'll it's not going to be Mark Wahlberg. What? <laughs> no. We don't have to worry about that. You guys read that story? And I do believe, I do believe he was trying his best in that film. <laughs> he just can't <laughs> act. So, uh, yeah, if you want to, we'll be back next week with that after Earth. And then we finally get back into the good stuff. Probably the movie I'm most waiting for is The Visit. Uh, but uh, if you want to get in touch with Eric, you can. You can do that on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. You can touch base with me at Podcast by Jeff. If you want to check out my other podcast, it's called The Movie Draft House. Uh, find it in your favorite podcast app. You can also find Eric on YouTube at Eric Hotter as well as GamingNexus.com for all your video game review needs. And I think that's it. Uh, chronologically podcast on Facebook. And chronologically.net if you wanted to. That's fine. But we'll see you next week for After Earth. Thanks, y'all. Bye.